Hello and welcome to the Flippin' Weirds podcast. We are based in the UK and we'll be talking all things Malifaux, from news and reviews to events and tactics. Enjoy the show. What is up, nerds? It is Explorers Society release day. So the book has landed today. I am super, super excited about it. So we are going to put out some content. The idea behind this is we're going to put out a few different shows looking at the new keywords and this initial show looking at the versatile models, the upgrades and the models that are being added to the two keywords we've already got, which is Frontier and Wastrel. So I've got Matt with me here today. Say hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. Oh, every time. Every I'm going to <laughs> I'm gonna have to ask you to say something else to uh, introduce yourself. But yeah, and the other person we've got with us today is Rich Walters. So Rich, we always ask everyone the same questions when they come on the show, which is, what is your favourite faction? Who is your favourite master? And what is your best moment in Malifaux? So take it away. Hey guys, super hyped to be here. Super hyped to talk about Explorers as well. Um, so favourite faction has always been outcast right from the start. Um, love the sort of hodgepodge selection of different styles and aesthetics. Um, and they also really speak to my play style, which is a little bit more fast and loose, quite like the positional game. Um, I quite like that they, they can hit hard as well. So that, that, that really speaks to me. Um, what was the next question? Who is your favorite master? I think I already know. Yeah, you know it, Tara. Uh, yeah, somewhat known for running quite a lot of Tara. Um, very down at the moment. Um, still not got over the nerfs, but I'll, I'll leave that be. Um, and a favorite moment was probably probably career Malifaux career highlight of making masters and then getting through to day two. Um, super tough to do that. I, that was quite already happy to actually qualify for masters but then actually topping the group and getting through to day two was probably yeah career high yeah definitely i was actually wondering whether you were going to uh gonna troll me by saying your career highlight was the uh game where you red jokered nico off the table turn one my game's all done i've I've done (laughs) one better thing since that jamie (laughs) i still scarred on my brain you're irrelevant now did, didn't you do it like three times? Just every time you played, Jamie, it was just like, yeah, well, it's all right, because Rich is going to red joker off my master yeah, again. So there's, <laughs> what, what actually happened was, so this Rich has managed to red joker my my models off so many times that when he changed decks, he gave me his red joker, which I now carry around in my wallet, and I have done <laughs> since he gave it to you me. You guys are just meant to be together. <laughs> but yeah, I don't know what he did, some kind of voodoo curse on his deck, but it started with Nico, and then... Uh, he did uh, Kirai another time, and then I took uh, Jack Daw to event in M2, and he red jokered him off as well. It was just ridiculous. Like It just kept happening over and over again. Uh, so that's it now. Every time I play Rich, I'm just waiting for this red joker to come out and, uh, and crush me. But yeah, so let's get on with the Explorers content. So we're going to go through the first time models first. So let's start with... Tannen Bam, Tannen Bomb, Tannen Tannen Bum, Tannen Boom Boom. I don't know. We, we'll go with one of those things. Is probably the way to say it. I'm going Tannen Bam. Uh, 
<laughs> okay, yeah. We'll just go with that. That probably sounds more accurate, right? Um, so this guy looks awesome. He is a bit of a all-rounder. He's got a few different interesting things and a few new things we haven't seen before on his card, which is really awesome. Um, I like ink fingers on the front. Um, during the end phase, the opposing player must discard their control hand. So that's that's got some niche applications, I guess. I think further in the game, you might, it becomes less useful potentially because people are spending their cards on the jewels that are happening. But it's, I mean, if you're playing against like Lucius or Sandeep or, or any of these keywords that have got good card draw and are going to have some good cards at the end of the turn they want to carry over, Ink Fingers is going to really mess with that. I think it's a bit like uh, the first couple of times you play against it, you're going to find it a little bit oppressive. But it's, I think it's similar to Zoraida, where you get annoyed, but then you you know it's coming and you just play around it and you just don't car- try and carry high cards over to the next turn. Yeah, yeah. I mean, actually, so that's really interesting. So if we look at another one of his, um, at, well, another one of his actions, which is comprehensive notes. So it can only only target a master or a henchman, but you choose up to four non-jokers in the target's discard pile and remove them from the game, and then they come back into the game during the start phase. So that's really interesting. So you take to effectively take cards out of the deck for for the start of the next turn, so that they're not uh, available to be played with on your first run through the deck or to be drawn. Now. This, again, is another one where you could really tilt your opponent with it. I think there's that that mind game where, actually, if you manage to take four Severs out of their deck, they think that that's a really, really huge impact on the game and you get inside the head, although the actual impact is not as not as big as it initially seems because if you think about where you would use those cards and the amount of actual impactful actions that are happening in a turn, um, the impact is, is lessened because you've, I mean, all you've got to do is look at how many times you'd flip like a 13 or a 12 on, on one of these little jewels with one of your scheme runners or something that would have been effectively wasted anyway. But what it is going to do is proper mess with people's head and really, really think, um, make them think that they are playing at a huge disadvantage in the turn. But again, it's one of those things I think it's, it comes with experience. Um, if you leave a willpower five henchman next to Tannenbaum, that's going to be a problem. I think the, the lesson is don't don't do that, right? Yeah, absolutely. And then, the, but the other side of that is obviously you've got the option to do it to your own model. So you could turn around. So early, earlier in the game, you can turn around and take out four weeks out of your deck. Again, the impact of that is is smaller than it first seems on, on in, in sort of the whole scale of things. But it's it's where that leaves your opponent because it's like big brain broom, right? You look at that and people think, oh, we've we've got all these all these cards that have been churned through the deck. Well, the reality is he's Bang Brin's probably churned as many good cards as he has bad cards. But it, it's the mindset it puts your opponent in, right? Definitely. Like I first one to rage about Brig Bang Brin, but actually I can't even say it. Um it's just it, it's it is very much the tilt factor. And I think that initial shock is is the is actually the winning point there. But uh, I look at that, and actually, personally, I think comprehensive notes, bonus actions, class six, six inches on a willpower against master or henchman only. I just, I don't actually see it going off that much. Um, and if you, if it is going off that much, Ten of Man is in the thick of it, right? And I suppose fairly, what would you say defensively is? Can he be in the thick of it? Well, he's he's somebody who wants to activate last because manipulative. Um, I mean the. Ba- Basically, like looking looking at the cards, you've got a model that can mess around with markers using haphazard topography, um, which is going to be something generally you're going to be wanting to do at the end of the turn to deny schemes. He's got manipulative, which is his defensive 
ability there. So again, that's going to encourage him to activate late in the turn. So I think he's he he can be. I think he sort of sits a little bit back from the main fight, but is is able to stay close to it. Um, obviously, in his thematic keyword seeker, there's plenty of healing. Um, so there's the potential to keep him alive there. But yeah, I mean, it's comprehensive notes. I think it's one of those things, if you want it to go off, you're saving a card to do it, right? And and the biggest impact, I think, rather than the actual cards coming out, is the tilt you're putting your opponent in. Yeah, I mean, personally, if I'm using that, I'm saving it last turn of the game and I'm looking to fish out all your 13s. And just, just so you feel completely dis- discouraged by it. Like, just, yeah, I'm going to take out your 13s. You're going to get them back next turn. You're going to be able to flip them, right? But... You're not going to. Well, no, no, there. you can't. You can't flip them because they come in during the start phase. So the deck's already been shuffled. All oh, right, so they just sit in your discard pile for that entire turn. They, exactly. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's. I mean, actually, like, there's. That's, whoa, whoa, I'm gonna take a step back. There is probably a real strength in being able to remove a person's all of their thirteens from the for a turn. Well, yeah, yeah, as long as they're in the discard pile, right? Uh, yeah. Because he can only remove them from the discard pile, which is, again, another reason why he wants to activate later in the turn. Definitely. All right, yeah, no, well, okay. Six inches probably becomes a focus. You were talking about haphazard topo- uh, topography. It's, that's an eight-inch range as well. But targets a marker and pushes the marker in three inches in any direction. With a uh, Tome's trigger to draw out secrets, drop a scheme marker into base contact with the target, or Ram's trigger for point of interest, a friendly model within one inch of the target gates focus. Uh, I suppose it's good for moving moving schemes around, maybe. Like, try to push a bit of trade out of the way, I think is less likely, but I suppose a bit of scheme denial. Um, where, where do you see you using that? I think it's quite strong into the uh, the crews that I quite marker reliant so some someone like uh english ivan who's going to have shadow markers out so you can then use your shadow markers to then also drop ski markers at range feels like that could be quite a strong way to use it yeah you've got those you've got hazardous terrain coming out of um the seeker keyword well and syndicate you've got um web markers in cadmus and then you've obviously got the counterplay if you're up against something like keris or titania or Raspy, someone who is dropping markers on you, which is quite common these days as well. So there's loads of plays for it. And just those schemes that rely on a marker being in a specific place. Cool, yeah. You, you can push out. I mean, this screams to me, uh, Tannenbaum activates last, and you just don't want to take leave your mark against him, right? Uh, he's going to push your marker three inches and drop a friendly one in base contact with it. That That is a clear denial of leave your mark right there. Yeah, definitely. Actually, that's that's super good. Like so far, I like really, really looked at comprehensive notes and has has a top the yeah. haphazard topography. Could we get some easier names? That would be lovely. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'm already taking this for pure scheme running. I think. What yeah, else we it's got? really cool, really cool. And then it's just got ancient words as his attack stat five versus willpower. So not much of a killer, but it's got a surge trigger on it. It's got a trigger to push a target four inches towards a terrain marker so lots of marker manipulation which is really cool i think a solid model for eight soul stones i think situational um but i think in those schemey games when or a game when someone drops a terrain master on you i can definitely see play for this guy would you say situational because i'm looking at this thinking actually yeah do you know what i'm putting this in lists like he's he's offering me some severe card control ancient words isn't it isn't why I'm taking him, but actually range eight stat five willpower against willpower, willpower being the generic lowest stat in the game, I think. 
you're going to take out minions with that. Um, fantastic, I'd say. So yeah, he's definitely good. He's he is definitely good. There's um there's some solid stuff going on there. I I personally think having read through the keywords, I think there's a lot of them that benefit hugely by staying in the theme. So I think a lot of these versatile choices will be a case of um, have I got a role I want this model to fill? Um, but there's there's something we actually haven't talked about on Tannenbaum's card, which is probably one of the one of the more interesting things he does. Um, so he's got a action called rewrite the story. So this needs a thirteen to go off, and you can only do it once per game. But what happens is you replace one of your schemes with another secretly chosen scheme in this encounter scheme pool resolving any beginning of game effects now so any models chosen must be in play and the new scheme cannot score vp this turn if the replaced scheme has been revealed reveal the new scheme that's pretty big so if you get stuck if you choose a scheme you score a point for it or you don't and then you get stuck and realize you know what you've messed up you're not going to be able to get it he gives you an opportunity to change schemes what do we think about that uh wow like actually i I think yeah, it's. Uh, I think that could come up, and actually, with with the the way that M three scores, this, you uh, being able to shift to uh, the end point of a different scheme could be massive. Especially as that change of gear in play. If you've lost a key model that you need to help get a scheme done, and all of a sudden I shift, I take you know it drops thirteen. And I'm going to shift to. I need to drop uh, three scheme markers for say leave your mark in the middle of the table instead of trying to get the last point for my versatile uh, for versatile what's the word it's not versatile vendetta oh my god today um <laughs> vendetta and all of a sudden you've shifted play and you've you've turned it on your head I, if i'm honest all i'm getting from uh, Tenerman right now is i'm going to mess with my opponent because he's not going to know if i'm coming or going it's going to be on tilt you're going to be angry it's awesome i love it he's uh, <laughs> really good for eight stones <laughs> Yeah, I I really I really like this as well. It's got some really interesting applications. I mean, it needs a thirteen, so you're going to have to have got that thirteen in your hand. But there's some really cool things like you've got research mission, which actually, I personally, I think the first point of research mission is really easy to get. The second point, unless the game is really heavily going in your favour, having three models in the right place at the right time might not be as easy. But you've also got the option to, if you've scored the first point of something, you can swap it to vendetta for the second point onto a model of your opponents that has one wound left and is almost certain to die the next turn. Um, there's some really, really interesting plays. It is a big cost, but the plays and the potential are huge. Yeah, I think you're right. It's I think he's not bringing anything other than the scheme manipulation, though, I think, and the card the card manipulation. So he's not going to be killing anything. So I don't, it doesn't feel... So you touched on it earlier, Jamie. There's a lot of big cost models in keyword, and you you quite want to stick in keyword in quite a few areas so it, it you are paying the price for it uh, this um the, to me he feels like a and what you're saying rich like, to me he's a massive denial piece um because actually i'm not reading anything in this card that necessarily makes him scoring points besides obviously we've talked about haphazard topography i'm gonna stop trying to say it um to uh, get a scheme marker down but he's got chatty as well for six inches um, but yeah, he feels like he's going to be massive, massive amounts of denial, but he's not necessarily going to score you the points around it. So actually I think, and he, he really needs other models around him to do the work. So yeah, you take him for eight points, but you've got to 
But I feel like if you crumble the crew around him, he really starts to lose a level of effectivity. Yeah, so there's not there's not a huge amount of damage coming off his card. You've just got ancient words. But I think I think when you're talking about not scoring a lot, I think that's depending on the situation you're in. I mean, haphazard topography can score points. Um, rewrite the story can can save your game. Actually, if you if you've taken hidden martyrs um, and one or both of your models gets killed, um, or, or let's say both your models get killed on the same turn or turn one, actually you can just rewrite the story to to pick another scheme. And then that would have been a scheme at that point you were scoring zero points off. Um, so there's yeah, I think there's there's an element if you look at it from a sort of sideways way, he can definitely be scoring you points, or he can make sure you're able to score points at the very least. He's a really interesting model, and it's nice to see something completely different in the game because I don't think there's anything that does something like this no, currently. He's really cool. He kind of harks back to Nelly and M2E, which they never got quite right, but that ability to change the schemes. This feels like they've actually figured out how to do it in in a fair and balanced way. Yeah, I really, really like this. I really like this model. Okay, cool. Anything else to say on Tanenbaum? He's got one more bonus action. He has two oh, yeah. bonus actions, in fact. He does, he does. He has study. So target a scrap or quartz marker, drop a scheme marker in base contact with the target, then remove it. So, yeah, this this card screaming scheme manipulation, um, whether it is for your schemes or your opponents, there's a lot going on here. Um, and some just... Nice casual opponent tilting tech with the card removal. I like it. Quick like summary then. Would you take it? Just yes or no from everyone? Yeah. Yeah, okay. absolutely. Uh, like situationally, but yeah, you definitely take him. Yeah, I definitely take him as well. Cool. Cool. Who's All next? right. Next, let's do Mr. Nagatoro. Um, I assume, yeah, that sounds about right for, for how you're saying that. What have we got here? We've got a nine stone henchman. Uh, he's got Bully on the front of his card, so uh, he can add a suit to his jewel when he's targeting a model of a lower cost, which is good for nine soul stones. Intimidating authority, which we see in the elite keyword, so discard a card to put your opponent on negs. He's got neurotoxins, enemy models with a poison condition within three can't use soul stones or declare triggers. That's pretty good. We like a bit of that, denying soul stone use. It's got the voice, ability, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And then voice of the society, friendly models within plus uh, friendly models receive plus one to their jewels when targeting other friendly models within six with an action. So that's pretty interesting. Um, that's got some uses in various keywords, I would say. Yeah, I would say so. Like uh, plus one, plus one to, to jewels. Um, be interesting to see how that pans out across the rest of the explorers faction. But a straight away for me, this model is defense six, willpower six, move five. He's solid with potentially putting you on negs. Just from the front of the card, I'm already feeling like I'm taking this model. Yeah, he's he's good. What um what keywords are you thinking of, Jamie? I right, specifically where you, you might be targeting each other. Uh Seeker, Cadmus, EVS. Um there's to be fair, the, the options that there's there's stuff in every keyword that's going to benefit from this. Um it's whether you're gonna pay that nine soul stones for it. So you're gonna need something I think you're gonna need something else from the back of his card to warrant investing nine soul stones because as we've already covered there are some real synergies in the keywords in explorers so i think you're going to want you're going to need a real reason to take him so let's look at what those reasons might be so he's got an attack action one inch range stat six versus defense uh it is two three five damage and models gain poison so that works nicely with neurotoxins uh, he's got a trigger to gain injured and poison on top of that so that'd be poison two pretty nice and a sweeping strike 
So fairly solid, not setting the world on fire for a no, nine stone model. I, I was genuinely expecting to flip to the back of this card and see a three, four, five damage spread, if I'm honest, for nine yeah. stones. Yeah. Yeah. So not setting the world on fire for nine stones. And then the next action we've got is an obey. So this probably is what we're looking for from our nine stone model. Um, he's going to need an eight to go off, but obviously if he's targeting a friendly model, it's only going to need a seven, which brings it down to that average place you need for an obey. And he doesn't have the mask built in. However, if we go back to the front of his card, we've got bully. So that means if he's targeting something of eight stones or less, he gets that mask built in, which is pretty cool. He's got a trigger to put one damage and one poison and a trigger to gain one injured and one focus. So there's a couple of double condition things going on there. Will that give him, uh, will he get the plus one then as well? So he only actually needs, uh, is it a seven? Yeah, so he's going to need the standard seven and he's going to get the suit built in if he's targeting a model of a lower cost. However, if he's then targeting a high cost enemy model, he's going to need an eight and need that mask. So he's he's quite swingy. He's very much um, focused by looks of it on force multiplying your eight stone and less models. Yeah, I mean, I, I like it, actually, I think. I think obey on a nine stone model. Are you paying a tax? Feels like you're paying a little bit of a tax for the back of his card. Because actually, I'm looking at the back of his card and thinking he's only got three things going on. So you must be paying a tax for that obey. But I suppose that's that's what you pay for an obey that effectively has a built in suit and only needs a seven. Yeah, it's it's a built in suit versus models of eight cost or less, and only needs a seven versus friendly models. So. It's um, it's yeah. There's swings and roundabouts with it. Like obey is really, really powerful in the game, as we've seen from Zerada, um, and the different ways that it disobeys the basic rules of the game. So there is a lot going on there with that obey. I feel like I'm missing a trick. Am I? Am I missing something? Is there a reason why you'd choose to give your give your model injured one and focus one? Well, actually, I suppose injured one and focus one. I can see if you really just want to power down a creature, but uh. I suppose infectious wounds is meant for when you're targeting the enemy, but you're going to be. I I don't see him target obeying an enemy model very often. It's it's going to be quite card intensive, right? I need an eight and a mask. I suppose he is a henchman. He could stone for it. Well, he'll have the mask if it's an eight stone or less model. Because well, of bully, yeah. Because of bully, so yeah. he he will need an eight though. So, but yeah, like there's there's play there, and I think I think this model sits in a really really nice place. So, let actually before we crack on to the overview, so he's got a bonus action which is backroom dealings, um, reveal the target's control hand enemy only. So he can also push himself four inches towards the target on a mask trigger and surge on a tome. So there's there's yeah, there's not a huge amount on this card for nine stones. Not a lot of damage. You're really just buying an obey here this is nine stones for an obey um and potentially the plus one to jewels for friendly models within six if that's relevant in the keyword you're playing yeah i think it depends on again like yeah you just said it the the keyword you're playing is going to depend whether you bring this guy or not and the amount of eight stone models you you are taking within that keyword yep agreed so he's got some play i think actually he sits where a versatile model should he's got some uses but he's not an every time pick yeah, totally. Yeah, I think actually that's, that's a fair assessment. I was going to jump in and say something else, but actually we kind of shine a light on it, actually thinking about it. That is that is what we want from a versatile model. He's not in every crew. And I think he's not in every crew because he is nine stones, right? That's a, that's a chunk of your core. That's a chunk of your soul stones to get him in. But 
yeah, I can definitely see this. He switches up play, which is actually everything I want from a versatile model. I don't want it to be an auto take. I do want it to be a model that changes up the way a crew runs. Yeah, solid. Love it. Cool. All right. We like it. Thumbs up from us. All right. Let's go to the hopeful prospect. This is a four stone versatile model. You get two of them potentially up to two of them so we've got blissful ignorance at the start of this model's activation it must discard a card and then draw a card well well that is maybe good maybe bad i don't know depends what your hand looks like i guess um and when you need to activate this model uh, it's got good show once per turn after a friendly model within four kills an enemy model a friendly model gains focus that's all right pretty good for a four stone model once per turn keeps it in check Hard to kill, that's pretty good. It's got four wounds with defense and willpower four. Insignificant, good. That's what we like to see from our easy-to-kill models. And then welcome to the society. Well, that's all of us today. Welcome to the Explorer Society. After killing an enemy model with a cost of five or more, this model may replace with any minion that shares a keyword with this crew's leader, and then the new model heals four. That is very cool. Oh, my God. The front of this car is an emotional roller coaster. I'm like, oh, it's awful. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Oh, it's awful. Oh, my God, it's amazing. Um, it's, um, yeah, like, our initial impressions was, oh, it's hard to kill four stone minion. That seems ridiculous. And you're like, oh, it's insignificant. And you're like, oh, good show's all right. And then, actually, Bliss for Ignorance, I think, I genuinely think Bliss for Ignorance is potentially going to mess you up more than it's going to benefit you. And... Welcome to the society, I think, is very, very cool. Very, very cool. Yeah, it's going to be those turns where you've got, um, where you've, like, so turn two and turn three, where you, you don't have the time to activate your little support model before your big models. And then you you spend a load of cards, and then you need to act, you've got your hopeful prospect left, and you look at your hand, and you're just like, ah, oh, I've got three severs here. This is not good. <laughs> yeah, but on the flip side, I think he's brilliant in one. Because it's a little free card cycle for very little cost. Absolutely. And if we look at um, Good Show as well, potential with Cooper for cheeky free focus if Cooper manages to uh, shoot something off the board. There's some good play, like solid for four stones. Like I'm not complaining about that front of card. There's some good stuff. There's some bad stuff. But for four stones, like he seems seems pretty solid. How often do you think uh, Welcome to the Society being pulled off? Uh, well, so let's look at the back of his card and see how realistic it is he's yeah. going to kill a model. So he's got a stat 4 knife, which does 134 damage, and a stat 4 rifle that does 135 damage with potential crit strike. So um, I think if he focuses and goes at the end of the turn when your opponent doesn't have many cards, there's there's potential for that stat 4 to go through and then get the spike damage. I think he could be a finisher and finish some models off that are wounded by the rest of your crew, and at which point you can turn into something really cool, depending on the keywords you've got. I think definitely in Umbra Dewa, you've got the uh, Brock and Spectre, which is a really, really good model for this to turn into. Um, maybe a Lamplighter in Seeker would be really cool as well. There's some good stuff out there. What do you think, Matt? I feel like the back of his card's into contradiction to the front of his card, if I'm honest. Like... It, it feels like he needs to be finishing models, like you say, and uh, he he could be running as that support. But all of a sudden, you've if he's doing that, he's starting going later in the turn. At which point, he's going to be throwing away your good card potentially that you've been saving to try and force this through when you start it. 
like you're like, oh, that's fine. I'm going to try and finish it off as high school prospects. And like, oh, I've got to throw away the 13 and draw another card. So like, yeah, I suppose I, I think these are going to take some finesse. I do think once they're on the table and people play with them a little bit, actually they're going to be really cool and really good. I think I think they're a little bit got to get it right, got to hit it at the right time. But yeah, yeah, my initial impression is they are a bit contradictory on the back of the card because of those stats. But I suppose that is because of Welcome to the Society. I think you summed it up. And I think that's that's key with a lot of the Explorer stuff is uh, there's a lot of finesse plays and there's a lot you've got to think about as well. So that, you, Welcome to the Society. Oh, sorry, no. Uh, good show. You, no, no, no. Blissful Ignorance. You probably want to keep that card. Um, so, you, you, you know, you've got your one or two and you just hang on to it knowing you've got Blissful Ignorance coming up. Um, and then you might be able to cycle that, get a high card, and then pull off Welcome to the Society. So it's, yeah, finesse. Yeah, it's one of those things. You've got to remember it's there, right? Um, it's, it, it's it's a benefit, ultimately, to get a weak card out of your hand and draw another one if you remember it's there and activate it while you've got that weak card in your hand. They are pretty good four stones, though. Oh, yeah, fantastic four stones. And actually, I'm thinking about, actually, flip it on a positive, positive note, glass half full. You've got a crap card in your hand, and this thing's the last thing to go. And he pulls a thirteen. All of a sudden, someone is having a bad day. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And then the last thing on the back of his card, and we love to see it, is a bonus action. Range four, so not a big range. Needs a six to go off. Friendly only. End all conditions on the target. So uh, end all conditions is a bit of a swingy one, depending on the situation you're in. Um, but solid. We love a bit of condition removal and a trigger to heal two on a ram, which is not built in. So I, I solid, love, love it. Guys, to be in outcasts. <laughs> um, yeah, I think super solid for four stones. I think he's got some play. I think probably one of the more common versatile picks at that cost with the things going on on the card. Yeah, I mean four stones worth of and. Four stones to get bonus action, condition removal, a little bit of healing. I like the fact that healing's on a rams; it's not built in. Means you've got to use the card. It feels feels really nicely balanced. And end all conditions on a target again. It's it's good. It's not. Oh, I'm going to take a condition off, but it's it, you've got to pay the price because actually, if you've got fast and stunned, you're going to get rid of both. And I like the fact that it's limited to friendly only. Yeah, I like it. Solid. We like it. That's another thumbs up from us. All right, let's do oh, let's do the bellhop porter next. This guy looks awesome. So he is a seven stone enforcer. He's got armor one, accomplice, extended reach, uh, full pack, which is at the start of this model's activation, it gains shielded one for each marker within two of it, and then give him a lift which is during their activation, other friendly models within two may be treated as size one. Well, that's a whole lot of support on the front of his card. He's got armor one, but other than that, there is a there is a whole lot of support going on there. What do we think of the front? Um, I was, what, defense five, willpower four. Um, I don't know. I, he is very, very support. I'm not really seeing... Not really seeing how he's potentially. St- I suppose armor one. He's not really staying alive. He's not being charged. I suppose this. This strikes me as he's going to get picked off by something that's going to have him at range with against willpower. Um, anything. Anything that's going to target him in range against his willpower. He's it's going to fall over. I think. Yeah, he's not setting the world alight with the uh, the front of card. And I think that willpower four is potentially a bit of a liability, but. Give him a lift is really interesting. Um, this, I think it'll be board dependent, but be able being able to like 
uh, be give a size two model, size three to see over some walls and stuff like that. Could have some play with Cooper, maybe. Cooper, I think. Yeah, I know you mean actual Cooper there, but all I've got in my head is the bellhop porter giving the dinosaur a piggyback, uh, <laughs> which I just think is absolutely a hilarious mental image there. Um, but yeah, I think extended reach is always nice. Anyone who's played against models with extended reach will know how infuriating that ability can be, so it's nice to see it. So the front of the card, we're, 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 we think it's okay. We're not super sold on it. Let's have a look and see what he's got going on on the back. Uh, so he's got a range two, love range two, stat six attack, doing two, three, four damage with a potential knocker side. Seems okay. And then a range 10 gun icon stat five with a built-in ram. Does two, three, four damage. And the ram gives you once per turn, enemy only, choose a non-scheme marker in play and drop another one of those markers into base contact uh, with the target. That's interesting. Yeah, I mean... Straight, straight away, he's a massive, massive tar pit is actually what I'm starting to think. Like, he, he wants to kind of be in the middle of your crew. He wants to be shielding them slightly with his front of, front of ability cards. Two-inch range is really good, actually, on, on a melee range. And, yeah, that that Rams trigger. It, it strikes me as there's a lot of... Is, is there a lot of markers in, in Explorers, do you think, flicking through? There's a fair few. So you got, as we went through earlier, you got shadow markers, you got web markers, you got geode markers. There's quite a few different things that you might copy. Um, there's also, I mean, potential that you might copy something your opponent's putting down because it's just choose a marker in play, um, a non-scheme marker in play. Yeah. So there yeah. might be something weird your opponent's putting down you might want. Yeah, you've got Bass and you've got uh, McCabe as well. So like you could potentially get extra scrap markers down for McCabe, which just feels nice. Uh, I think this, I think he's got play into most of the um, Masters just because of that, that they are quite market dependent. Yeah, I like that. I like that. So there's two more things on the back of his card. You've got, I've got your back as a bonus action. We love that. That is super solid looking at the front of his card. Um he adds more to that support function. He's got a trigger called tag out, so he can you can place this model anywhere within range. So that's range six. So that is engaging the enemy model that the target was engaged by when this action was declared. So with two inch range, if you pull a model out of a engagement with something with less than two inch range, that's super cool. You also can put him in a really annoying place so that extended reach has more impact. And then he's also got at your service, which is range two. Um, stat five needs a five to go off. Um, once per activation, other friendly only. This model gains shielded one, and then this model may reduce the value of its shielded condition by any amount. If it does so, the target gains shielded with a value equal to the reduced uh, the value reduced by this action. So he's gaining shielded plus one for every marker within two of him. We already know that explorers are putting a few markers out. He gains shielded one at the start. So there's potential that you can shove a load of shielded onto one of your beaters or your master there. It's pretty cool. Um, I think uh, I've Got Your Back is under the radar as, a, as an ability. I've been playing a lot of Vix recently, and Finesse as I've Got Your Back literally wins me games. Um, you can you can send someone in, like send send your big beater off, move this guy 5, 10, whatever, get, and you've potentially got a 16-inch range to get your model out, and then throw this guy in instead. Or potentially, I think what we missed uh, was Accomplice. So you can actually, if a model's about to go down, go in, get that model out, bring it back to somewhere else, and then send that model somewhere else to do some damage. I think 
I think I've got your back is secretly what makes this guy amazing. Yeah, actually, that's a fair shout. I, I think he, he is, he's going to save, he's going to be a swing model, I think. Like he's gonna he's gonna be a little bit like defensive supporting and then actually that that one turn he's going to grab the model you need out of uh, out of engagement and basically just launch it for uh, for schemes or strats or just throw back in a, a throw a beta into the way you need it. Uh, I think I think you fit the nail on the head with that, Rich. Yeah, you can potentially so if we think about the full chain of events you can do here in one activation because you can accomplish effectively so it'd be two activations but one of your goes you can pull a model out uh, place yourself in a position where you are engaging but not engaged by if it's not range two something uh, take a swing at it then give a ton of shielded to the model you pulled out and then accomplish activate into it that's there's, there's lots going on, and even if we just look at someone like Kia who uses that shielded, um, there's some there's some cool plays there. Um, I think very very situational um, as a model. I think you're going to look at the situation you're in and the crew you've got and wonder how useful this guy is. But in those games where you've got a use for him, very cool. Or if you just want to have the mental image of piggybacking the Malasaurus Rex on the back of the Bellhop Porter, I think it's definitely worth taking just for that. Well, just just for that, definitely. <laughs> Cool. All right. Let's go on to the Metal Mountain Goat, the Alpinist. Five stone enforcer, armor one, climbing gear. So friendly models within four, ignore models, terrain, and vertical distance while moving. So that's not models that start their activation within four. That is friendly models within four. So do you stop ignoring it when you get outside of four? Yeah, I'd say so. Friendly models within four, ignore models, terrain, and vertical distance whilst moving. While moving, yeah, does doesn't say at the start. So I'd say sounds like whilst you're within four of the uh, the Alpinist, you are going to uh, you've got to get a benefit. Yeah, feels, probably feels a, feels a little weird. It feels like that would normally say uh, uh, models that start their activation, right? Yeah, um, I, I would say so. It's still got some use. It's still got some use. It's just a, a little bit more positional on the Alpinist, depending on what you want to avoid. I mean, if the Alpinist is sat in the middle of a six inch bit of severe terrain then i guess that the, the whole terrain is can more or less be ignored by friendly models which is pretty cool so it does have use there um, we've got ramming speed so this model's claw actions generated by the charge action receive plus one and any one suit that's cool rush for plus two so it gives him a seven inch charge which is pretty cool and stampede which i'm, I'm glad to see on the uh metal mountain goat so front of card is interesting i think the front of card definitely reads like a situational um i'm gonna need to be able to ignore terrain while moving right yeah this this model strikes me as i've just seen the board it's shocking uh i'm gonna i'm gonna hire me a metal mountain goat uh, because i'm there's no way i'm getting around getting around board like if it's like a board full of height five buildings that you can't walk around this is the model i'm taking how big is it what's the base size 30 mil oh, that's right yeah it's definitely getting around, isn't it? Cool, yeah. I think what, what you're doing with this guy, so if you go to a board, you're the defender, you're looking at the board and going, there is a terrible deployment zone here. Um, that there's That's a pretty simple answer, right? For five soul stones, if you're the defender, you know your opponent's going to give you that bad deployment zone. This guy for five stones is going to let you unpack your crew properly. I think that's worth it for that cost. Yeah, I think for five stones, it's worth it for that cost. Any more than that, it's, it's not. But yeah, five stones, I'd probably do that. Yeah, same. 
Cool. All right, what's going on on the back of the card? Uh, so we've got stat four, range zero horns. Well, range zero, you're going to want to stampede into them anyway. Plus, you've got rush. That's not too bad. Two, two, three damage with uh, knock aside on a mask. And on a crow, you've got unintelligible screaming, which is this model may take the annoying action. Um, and then annoying is until the end phase. After an enemy model within range declares a tactical action other than walk or charge, it gains distracted. Very cool. Um, yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, he gets the suit built in on the charge because of ramming speed. Um, that's pretty cool. We've looked at annoying already. He's got tin feast, which we've seen before. Uh, remove a scrap marker within two to heal one, two, four as a bonus. And another bonus action, which is 50 foot of silk rope. Range 10, stat 5 versus move. Push the target 4 inches towards this model, then push this model 4 inches towards the target with the potential ram trigger to uh, give enemy models in base contact with this model 1 damage. Backer card is probably not why you're hiring this guy. What do you think you're using 50 foot of silk rope for? Is that offensively to move opponents, or do you see it more as a way of moving your own models around? I'm, I'm, I'm not sold on the back. Well, and so what you've got to remember is that models ignore models when moving around him. So effectively, if he is in front of one of your models, you can pull them four inches towards you, and they're going to be able to carry on walking over you during their activation. So he doesn't get in the way of anyone, um, uh, yeah. which is which is something to remember because of um, climbing gear. What do you think, Matt? Do you know what? I, I think five stones I've taken this model. I, I really like this. Partly I might be sold on Giant Metal Mountain Goat or Little Metal Mountain Goat. <laughs> um, uh, but 223 damage, stat four, the, the pushing, the utility, annoying. It's got healing. It's an armor one model. It's, do you know what? Yeah, I'm taking it. It's It's really good, actually, for five stones. If it was six stones, no. Four stones, it would probably be too good. I think it's, I think it's on the money. Five yeah. stones, I'm taking it. Yeah, yeah, okay. I think, super, I think situational, but it has a place, which is exactly where we like our versatile models to sit. Okay, all right. Let's do Vernon and Wells. So super cool model. Um, that's definitely like it's nice to see. I think they go really, really well with the um, Nightmare McCabe potentially, but I don't know. Maybe they're they're bike is a little bit too old-fashioned for the for the new mccabe kit but let's have a look at vernon and wells so we've got an eight stone enforcer uh, arcane shield two hard to kill um, and then two actions or two abilities i don't think we've seen before so you've got head in the clouds which is enemy models suffering negative to attack actions resisted by willpower that target friendly models within three so your friendly models within three of vernon and vernon and wells themselves if your enemy targets them with willpower attacks, they're suffering a neg to that. That's pretty cool. So if you t- if you tag that in with like the lamplighter or the lamps concealing, shadow markers concealing, or just umber in general, then if they're attacking you with willpower attacks, they're on a double neg, which is pretty cool. And then the other ability on the front of the card is you take the wheel. Once per turn, after this model resolves a walk action, it can discard a card to take the interact action. I like it. Pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, pretty cool. And like, hard to go Arcane Shield 2 on a Defense 5 Warpower 6 model. It's fairly tanky, right? Actually, initial initial impressions is it's not it's not the most tankiest model in the game, but it's got, it's got a hold in there. Um, I think Head in the Clouds is offering some support. I mean, you're not really, I don't, can't really tell where this model's meant to be right now with uh, 
by just looking at the front of the card. I'm hoping by the time we look at the back of the card, it'll, it's its real nature will come to fruition. But right now, it's whatever it is, it's going to hang in there and it's going to offer some support for the models around it. But eight stones, I'm not really sold yet. So hopefully the back of the card will tell us something. Yeah, cool. Same. Uh, like, looks like a good front of card, but probably needs the back. Uh, see, I'm more sold on the front of card than you guys. I think that head in the clouds is potentially huge. I, th- I appreciate that it is a little bit counterintuitive potentially with you take the wheel, um, but that head in the clouds can be really clutch against Serada, Pandora, something like that, something that's going to be coming at you with willpower attacks, um, especially with the concealing that some of the keywords use as well. Um, but let's have a look at the back of the cards, uh, or back of the card. So we've got an attack action called View of the Endless, range 10, stat 6 versus willpower. Target suffers 1, 2, 3, and gains staggered with a glimpse the void and on a tome and a mask trigger touch of madness target discards a random card it's okay i mean one two three damage and staggered for eight stones isn't setting the world on fire uh you've got falling skies range 10 stat five uh it's a shockwave one so one inch range shockwave uh move 13 dual damage two push any models damaged by this action two inches away from the shockwave could be useful in some strats and schemes uh, it's got Cataclysm, which is standard on Shockwaves, and a Mass Trigger for Crater. Enemy models damaged by this action must either discard a card or gain staggered. That's interesting. I don't think there's not a lot of damage for an eight stone model there. Yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not overly wowed if I'm honest. Like, so the range ten stat six against Warpower, just one, two, three damage seems a bit token gain staggered. I mean, Glimpse of the Void. Is the only thing on that I went, oh, that's a bit exciting. Um, potentially burying a model. Um, the the shockwave, uh, yeah, I'm not, I don't know. I'm not, no, nothing on this currently we spoke about is like, wow, here we go. I don't know. I think a stat six, range 10 ability, the damage is irrelevant, but being able to dish staggered out at that range on potentially a beater who's going to try and get a charge off on your crew, I think that that's quite strong. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I feel it, I feel it's situational. Um, staggered, staggered is good and can be. It's great for actually. I suppose the only time I can think about this is if I want to stagger a model that I don't want the enemy to ride with me towards towards me. Right, so ten inches. She's gonna she's gonna ride up and she's going to pick the model that I don't want your rider to pick up and bring towards me. I'm going to give it staggered. Stat six against willpower. I'm probably going to. Uh, probably going to get it through yeah um it's it's interesting so we've got a bonus action on the back of the card as well needs a six to go off onward this model may take the walk action there's two pretty tasty triggers on it though we've got a tome trigger um look at the top three cards of this of both this model's fake deck and its discard pile then place any three non-jokers from these cards back on the top of this model's fake deck in any order and discard the remaining cards that's pretty cool or we've got a mask for Rocket Man, which is when resolving the generated action, instead of moving normally, this model may place itself complete within five. So that screams a little bit like a scheme runner, but uh, so a little bit of conflicting. I think, I'd like personally for me, I think you're hiring this for head in the clouds, but there is some scheme potential. I'm not sure it's eight soul stones worth of scheme potential. Oh, I don't know. I disagree. I think um, I think onward is what makes this model. I think you've got a really tanky scheme runner that brings you card draw every turn so you're probably going to be able to get celestial navigation off a few times um it feels a little bit it's not quite midnight stalker-esque 
Um, Dude, it's it's nowhere. It's nowhere even on the same scale as Midnight Stalkers. You've got you've got quite a bit of potential, quite a bit of movement. What do they move? Move five, so you could get fifteen inches and still drop a scheme marker and some card draw. I don't know. I think I think it's good. Um, well, there's no there's no card draw. You put you put cards back on the top of your deck. Sure, um, sure. A good card. It's, right? got, it's got no real damage potential. Like I, I, I don't want to compare it to Midnight Stalker because Midnight Stalker is just silly good for his cost. Yeah, no, um, I'm not going to argue that. But he's. I think he does some other things. I think Midnight Stalker leaps around and interacts. Whereas this guy, I think View of the Endless is. I think you guys are a bit harsh on that. I think Range Staggered at ten with a stat six is solid. Um. Yeah, like I said, I can see some uses for it. I just for eight stones, I, I, and that—that's for me. That's it. This is eight stones worth of models. So like, uh, are you are you taking it? Eight stones. It's scheme running. I can I can see what you're saying, Rich. Actually, it can go fifteen inches. It's got that place, so it can't really get locked if you rocket man it. It's it's really yeah. That that's good, but is it eight stones worth of model? Like and as there's there's some there's some winning points on this right. So head in the clouds, like James said, I can see the view for uh, onward for the uh, 15 inches drop a scheme marker and the 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 staggered the, like it's got it's got some plays. It just doesn't feel like it falls together in the way I wanted it to. Yeah, I think probably need to get some games in and sort of see like it's it's probably a niche tech pick, which again is like probably a good place for a uh, versatile model to be. Absolutely. Actually, uh, uh, yeah. The versatile model that isn't always an auto-taken is a tech pick. I think, actually, that's that's it. We've hit the nail on the head with that. Done. Yeah. I think I'm I think I'm reaching for Vernon and Wells when I'm coming up against willpower heavy crews, uh, willpower attacking heavy crews, um, for sure, because I, th- I think that, head, for me, head in the clouds is the selling point here. The rest of it is okay um i think it's for as as you said we it sits in a good place for eight soul stones in that kind of you 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 can see a reason to take it and and the fact that we see different reasons to take it is probably healthy right it's a good um it's a good lodestone carrier thinking about it um because i mean often you see people take riders for 11 stones to carry their lodestones around um 15 inches of movement's not terrible for that it's quite hard to kill and the negatives on willpower means a lot of abilities people use to try and shift models off lodestones are going to it's quite protected from but yeah again a niche pick actually it's just a good point rich actually i think it's a lodestone carrier maybe but it's totally is is a fantastic lodestone deliverer because it's going to walk twice and take the interact action to throw it right is that an interact action or is that an action yeah it's an interact action and it can do it it can it could actually move three times and do it oh yeah that's solid because if you take the wheel as long as you've got a card to discard yeah, fifteen inches, and then throw throw the lodestone. That's uh, that's game changer, really. I'd say. Well, uh, yeah, it's good. It's good. It's got some play. Um, we, I think, we like it. Situationally, we like it. All right, cool. Um, let's do the botanist next. Bit of a weird one. Um, so six cost. Um, there's quite a lot going on here. So it's got feed me on the front of his card. Once per activation, after a terrain, scrap, or quartz marker within four is removed, this model gains a grow token and heals one. Um, this model adds plus one to its stats for each grow token on it to a maximum of plus two. Um, it's got planted roots, which we know, and wicked, which we know. Uh, it's defense four, will uh, defense five, willpower four, move four. So not super quick. 
Um, although it does have Onward, so this one needs a six. So it's got Onward as a bonus action or Grim Feast, which I guess helps it get the Grow token going. Um, <clears throat> on the back of the card, we've got Trapping Jaws, one inch, stat four, uh, one, two, three damage and staggered, a bit more staggered. Uh, it's got the R My Eye trigger, which we see on Mad Dog, uh, pulled here and there, and Tasty Snack, enemy only, target gains injured, and you gain a Grow token. Pretty cool. And then it's got a Shockwave 1, move 12, damage 1, injured 1, with a trigger to remove one non-scheme marker touching the pulse generated. What do we think? Well, that um, that Shockwave is that you discard up to two Grow tokens. This action drops an additional number of Shockwave markers equal to the number of tokens discarded. So it could potentially kick out a lot of Shockwaves that hand out damage 1, injured 1. So that that's pretty good, right? Um, oh, I I like it. To be fair, I think it's it's it's, it's adorable. Um, uh, where 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 are you using this? Like, it's cost six cost. It starts everything at stat four. So getting grow tokens on it's not taking it to anything crazy. It's going to stat six, and it's move four. It's got onward, so it can move three times. But and it's planted roots, so it ignores severe terrain, which is nice. But what what, what are you taking this model for? I don't know. I I want to love this guy, but I I can't. Um, it feels like the first grow token is actually just gonna mi- average you out as as a, as a six stone model, and then the next one takes you slightly above the curve. So you're only gonna take him into crews which have got easy access to uh, the marker removal. Um, I I don't know. None of none of that really blows my mind. Um, maybe some of the triggers. Um, might be situationally useful, but I, I don't know. What, what do you guys think? When, when, and why would you take this? Um, so initially, I'm not. Uh, I, I like it. I like it as a model, but uh, I suppose that the call out for when you take it is is it like all the other versatiles we've looked at? They've got some tech picks. They've got some some options of where you would take it. But this is really just a fairly average six stone model that can potentially do some damage. We can heal itself. I think- I think it sits slightly... I mean, it does give staggered out, but it's one, two, three damage on its attack and one damage, one injured on its shockwave. But I think it does less damage than your average six-stone model. However, I think one thing that can't be underrated is planted roots. So I think uh, we're going back to, like, ley lines, carrying that lodestone and being unable to be moved by enemy models to guarantee those that early point or two is potentially big, um, especially if we look at, like, you've got Mr. Nagatura, Mr. Nagatoro who can obey it to move again, plus it's got onward, so it could easily move from your initial marker or your initial ley line to the next ley line, and, and your opponent can't really do anything about it other than kill it. And it's defense five, seven wounds. It's fairly, well, it's fairly survivable. No other real defensive abilities, but seven wounds is okay for, or seven wounds is good for a six-stone model. Yeah, if you can find a way to feed it corpse markers whilst it's holding that point as well, it will uh, probably hang in there quite well. Um, seven, like seven wounds. It it definitely needs it needs to be fed something before it's going anywhere near the enemy's crew. I'd say though. Yeah, I guess I don't I don't know if you take it in offensively. Uh, it might be something that you, you use to survive because you can get it to defense seven, which is legit. Um, no, I don't think you can. You know? um, so the uh, this model gains plus one to its stats. The I'm not sure defense and willpower are stats, are they? Oh, I don't know. Because stat, I, I assume yeah, stat are. was just the the bit under where it says stat at the beginning. 
Uh, no, so it's your defensive stat and your will. Yeah, 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 your stat five defense. So okay, that that's that's if that's the case, that's definitely better. Yeah, I mean, it, it eats one grow token, goes to defense six, willpower five. That's pretty yeah. good. Yeah, it's right. another one goes to defense seven, willpower six, and all of a sudden, that's that's a fairly solid six stone model there. Oh, it's a super solid one. Like it's not doing a huge amount because it's one, two, three stagger. But at that point, survivable can't be moved. Yeah, do you know yeah. what? I'll take this for yeah, yeah, yeah. If you've got, I think if you've got access to marker removal, yeah. All right. Well, we 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 like it then potentially in in some niche applications, which overall is a good place to be. Okay, so I just checked the rule book, and the stats are technically the ones on the back, and then you've got defense, willpower, move, and size. So, <laughs> I would like to completely reevaluate my decision on this guy. Um, good, right? And say, actually, this is one hundred percent of the time probably going to be the person that's carrying my lodestone because move six. Size four, <laughs> size four is relevant, but move six can't be moved by enemy models. It's going to be defense seven, willpower six. Yeah, with with onward, so it can move six inches three times and ignore severe terrain. Yeah, I'll have a bit of that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and the minion three, like you know, you're not only just having one of them potentially. That they are. Yeah, I think the plus two just plus two tool stats. I, I think I think they would get stats for monster and can't be moved. I, I think actually that it puts their back of their card into context. I'd say yeah. one, two, three. Yeah, the, back yeah. of the, the damage output is irrelevant, yeah. really, but the what it's doing with its stats is really really cool. Definitely cool. All right, all right. Let's move on. Let's do the effigy em- emissary next. So the effigy is standard effigy. Accomplice armor before and after hard to kill helping hand defense four will uh, defense five willpower four. What's it got going on the back of its card? A naught inch range one two three burning one attack with a potential trigger to give focus to a model within three. That's okay. Lead the way, awesome. Lead the way is an awesome support ability. We like a bit of movement. What's the effigy aura doing? Aura of courage needs a five to go off until the end phase. After a friendly model within range passes a duel by two or more, if that duel was a simple duel or an opposed duel with an enemy model, the friendly model may heal one. That is very cool. Very cool. Actually, uh, I think very, very cool. Uh, this this is one unit of effigy, right? For the most part, the rest of its card is the, the standard effigy look. Um, to- the the zero-inch torches may come up. I like the fact it's got galvanize on it as a trigger another friendly model within three of this model gains focus one it's good to potentially pull that out and the aura of courage um not sure how many simple jewels there are in potentially in explorers but i I think just healing as an aura is fantastic um i reckon uh, it's super strong i think possibly the best effigy i've seen um i think there's an interesting play with galvanize or maybe hitting your own models potentially as well to dish out focus i was just just thinking you could potentially hit Cooper twice with them uh, to get that focus two on um, or get Aura of Courage up so Cooper's potentially going to heal off any of that damage from his attacks and then use one of your um, hopeful prospects to get rid of the burning. Uh, feels like... But, you, but you'd also get rid of the focus. I don't know, but you could, uh, so you could spend the focus and then go with the hopeful prospect at the end. 
Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. Like maybe. this is a this is a good effigy. Like I don't, I think I don't, I don't know about the best effigy, but lead the way is awesome. Um, Aura of Courage definitely has some plays, especially if we look at like Seeker and Cadmus, who love that healing. Um, that's it's got some really really cool plays. But let's look at the big boy, the intrepid emissary. Defense seven, willpower five, so it's sort of a reverse of the shadow emissary. Um, it's got armor one, hard to kill. Um, it's got flanx or phalanx, phalanx. Um, other friendly models that start their activation within three gain shielded one. Nice support piece again, and take the hit, which is pretty awesome on a defense seven model. So. Defense 7 with Aura of Courage. So once the Emissary is activated, if you're attacking its defense, you're going to have to watch out for that because if it beats you by 2, it's going to heal 1. Especially with that hard to kill, it's going to be a pain to take down if you don't attack it in the right way. Yeah, this this Emissary is fantastic. Look at this thing. Like, and We're already looking at the front of the card right now. Like, stat line of a monster. And don't get me wrong, it's no different from other Emissaries. We know that. They, they've either got this high defense or low willpower, or they level out as 6 and 6. It can go either way, right? We know that. But the front of this card straight away thinks, I'm going to have a problem. Like Armor 1, hard to kill. Other friendly models given out shielded. He's going to be in the middle. He's height, he's size 3 as well, so he's probably fighting over the top. He just It's going to be a massive support piece, I'd say, in amongst any crew. Yeah, really good support piece. I mean, obviously, we're talking about a pretty small bubble here with the three inches on Aura of Courage and the two inches on Take the Hit, the three inches on Phalanx, but that is some solid support right there. Feels like a great bodyguard for like one or two models as opposed to your whole crew. But yeah, raw, yeah. raw stats, that's incredible. I, don't, I mean, is there one Defense 7 model in the game at the moment? I think it's Sun. We haven't seen um, I don't know off the top of my head. But it is, it's not a common yeah. stat to see on defense. But it's not, I mean, willpower seven is more common than defense seven, definitely. But it is pretty cool to see it. And it definitely, I think if you look at this guy, he's he's designed to, to well, take the hit, essentially. He's designed to defend a model, which is probably why they went with the defense seven and the, the lower willpower. But I, I really like it. Um, what we got going on on the back, we got a two inch range stat six attack with two, four, six, a nice spike damage there. Um, potential blast trigger, potential knock aside, potential to give himself shielded one. Very nice. And then an intimidating roar. Um, push the target six inches away from this model. If the target is a minion, it gains slow with a potential trigger to take a stone spear, ignoring range targeting the same model, which was his melee attack. Very cool. Uh, like if you, oh, we've also got, which I'm not sure you're going to do very often. Um, you've got, I've got your back with a galvanized trigger. I think you're going to need to be activating him randomly late to not need aura of courage and to be using that but it's another option which is nice but what a good support model this is yeah i've this this is fantastic right like two four six damage that that is awesome damage like any focus any any form of focus on this model and he's going to town on something um intimidating raw really great for moving things uh yeah this this model is brilliant and I, he's a 50 mil model, so that, that phalanx aura is actually quite large, considering. Um, yeah, oh my god, this model is amazing. He's absolutely awesome. Um, I wonder if he's actually a really good um, potential candidate for the effigy upgrade as well. Um, so you could just spend your first two turns sitting back, focusing, and then actually coming in as a beater as well. 
Um, I think if you if you can't afford him at ten, I think you could definitely afford him at six and bring him like that as well. Yeah, with the potential to heal himself through aura of courage, and yeah. I think um, the eff- the effigy for the early turns, the effigy would lead the way. Super oh, useful. Yeah. Um, yeah, I love it. I love this model. I think there's there's probably a clear a clear reason to argue he could be used in most crews, um, especially if you're looking looking at a game where you might be sort of centred somewhere. So if you've got claim jump and leave your mark and you're playing public enemies, you're probably looking at actually having a bit of a scrap in the middle. There's there's a definite argument to, to put this model in your crew, either in this form or in the effigy form with the upgrade. So we love it. I think is the overall view on this one. We we do love it. It's the first versatile model, though. I think in this entire list, where I've gone. I can't see a reason why you wouldn't take this model, even if it is in the emissary form or the effigy form, and bringing it into the emissary form. And yeah, there's this. I I think you're going to see this a lot. I think it's I think it's very close to a potential rotate model. But we'll see. We'll see how it plays out. I'm I'm the same. I think if you don't take him at ten, you take him at six. Yeah, possibly. I think the there's there's definite reason that I'd say he's solid enough that actually he's worth his stones in most crews. Um, I do think that if you're spreading out a lot, his impact is reduced. But actually, as a standalone model with defense seven and the ability to heal himself if he wins jewels, yeah, I'd say pro- probably a solid argument to take him um in a lot of crews so we love the emissary he's i think i think our viewers expect to see him on quite a few tables um we have one last versatile model which is versatile and wastrel so it puts us nicely into the extra models for wastrel and that is jesse halliday so she is defense five willpower five depths of malifaux so this model ignores uh, is unaffected by severe and hazardous terrain which is good uh, evasive, which is nice, uh, reduced shockwave blast and pulse to zero, hard to kill, and then the classic wastrel looted supplies. So, all right, seven soul stone, so seven wounds, defense five, willpower five, pretty standard on the front of the card. What have we got on the back of the card? We've got a gun, stat six, two, three, five, with push the target three inches towards this model, and a ram trigger to push the target another three inches towards this model. Uh, we've got a bonus action shockwave. Two, which is willpower thirteen, damage one, distracted one, and enemy models damaged by it, or the sorry, enemy models that have failed to resist the shockwave cannot take the interact action till the end of the turn. That's potentially got some play, um, and then we've got a once per activation um, ability that or action that targets a marker. You drop a scrap marker in base contact with the target, then remove it uh, with a trigger to drop a ski marker in base contact with it, and a trigger to add a soul stone to your pool that's really interesting so nice to see a scrap marker generation in the wastrel crew outside of getting the trigger on your hucksters um the ability to stop interactions interact actions is nice um not having any form of melee attack is a little bit weird but still i think for seven soul stones it's a decent package yeah it's got some utility um, I can see where it fits into Wastrel with the scrap markers and a few extra soul stones. And the stopping interact action, I think the, the soul stone flare for me is probably like, oh, actually, yeah, that's that's really good. But it's it's that simple jewel, though, isn't it? If actually the problem with shockwaves is if you don't want to suffer it, then you will spend the card for it. And most of the time you need a, a six or a seven to stop it happening. Um, for, for me, it's a fairly average 
Wastrel model. I feel like it might have paid the price because we know Wastrel is in a very good place currently. Is that a fair assessment, <laughs> yeah. do you think? Yeah, yeah. I'm not I'm not blown away. Um I think I mean she's potentially a good candidate if you're thinking about taking a botanist, because you've got that um marker removal and it does allow you to get that extra scrap, which is really handy. And I'd probably consider her maybe maybe she's a six stone model because you're probably gonna be able to get discovery off in turn one um but yeah i struggle to get excited about her i think for me the problem i the reason i'm going to struggle to get excited right is i i think or i personally think a wastrel crew sometimes misses a beta and this this model didn't really fill that space so at which point am i spending seven stones on this model or am i going to take the effigy for six stones which is going to then turn into a monster um straight afterwards i think you're just gonna have to wait and see how many people gun for that effigy um i think he's going to be priority target number one if he's got that grow upgrade on him but i think jesse's fine she is like i think for seven stones she is fine she she brings the scrap market to the crew she's got some soul stone generation which she can pay for herself if you can get the mask of a six or more um but other than that yeah i don't i don't think there's anything overwhelming on the card i think it's just okay for seven soul stones and if you've if you've got a reason to take her then take her yeah i think that's it and actually i suppose give give jesse her, her due she is a versatile model she she is designed to be able to flex into other roles she probably has a few a few places to go with the these cards with the, the soul stone flare and things so versatile model yeah i think she sees a space yeah i'd agree yeah, I think it's the... Uh, to be honest, the marker removal is useful in a few different situations, so um, I think that's that's going to be a solid choice here and there. Um, next model is going to be the Cryptologist, who is a Wastrel-only model. Um, minion 2, cost 6. Uh, stat 5, willpower... Uh, so defense 5, willpower 5, armor 6 wounds, so fairly standard. Um, ancient technology so when a model within four activates it must either discard a card or this model may choose any number of effects that would resolve when it activates to be ignored that's niche but interesting um there's definitely some applications for that stuff like leech life and things you can get around stuff like the um uh, the name escapes me but the outcast the parker crew ability where they if they start near a scheme marker, they can get fast. Um, so there's some interesting plays for that. What do you think? That's annoying. Yeah. <laughs> I not thought about that. Yeah, yeah. It's um, That's cool. It's got Depths of Malifaux again, so it can ignore Severe and Hazardous Terrain, and Looted Supplies. Um, back of the card, we've got a 2-3-5 stat 5 melee attack and a range 8 stat 5, 1 blast, 3 blast, 3 blast, with a trigger to give friendly models within 2 of the target shielded. That's all right. Like nothing, nothing set in the world on fire. But I mean, this is a six stone model, and it's looking pretty cool. And then we've got a bonus action, which is friendly only. Resolve any effects on the target that would resolve at the start of its activation, and do not attach any upgrades with a trigger that is non-leader only. End one condition on the target. Target takes a non-bonus action that does not attach upgrades. Usual obey restrictions. So, in a wasteful crew, that's pretty interesting. So you can trigger their gaining of fast and their card draw um and then if you get the trigger so if you've got seven or more of masks you can make it take an action um, by removing the fast you've just given it because essentially it's still going to gain the fast 
at the start of its activation anyway from the upgrade shenanigans. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean that that is pretty cool. Um needs a needs a high card to get that off. That's that's more than a that's a nine. That's a nine of masks to do that. So it, Yeah, it is actually, sorry, yeah, nine of masks. Yeah, nine of masks to do that. That's a that's a high card. Um what, I don't know. Is it going to go into wastrel? Like we've seen, we've seen the wastrel keyword. We've seen what it does. Has it offered me a different style of play for six stones? It's move four. I, I, I feel like it's paying the price still. I genuinely, I th- do. and I, I like it. I like the model. I, I like we're going with it. And this antique temp timepiece, I think, has some really good. Good place. I just think people are going to have to step out of their comfort zone and try this out, and I think that's a fair shout for all of these things to try. I think I'd really like to see where they end up. This over a huckster is just—I just don't get it. Yeah, I think what we also need to remember. I think what is worth remembering is we're looking at this. So we've just been through the versatile models in Explorers. This is not Ten Thunders. There's no samurai. There's no like. There's no like silly auto choices that we've seen so far for for McCabe to bring in like to mess around with the upgrades so I think in Explorers are you going to see this I think there's potential to see it in Thunders are you going to see it maybe not yeah I suppose that's a fair assessment uh, like I I will I will hold reservations to see see if I see them at the table I, I I agree I don't I don't think you see it in Thunders um do you, you might you probably will see it more in explorers which is fitting it's an explorers model i guess but yeah um maybe maybe is where i'm at with that I think they so. be, yeah they could be a key tech piece if like i mean if if two of these came into parker that would be really frustrating um as a parker player and then there may be other keywords that, I've, that we just not thought about that really rely on those um start of activation effects um, there's definitely some things out there um, that are going to use it, and it will get in the way of. But um, it's a niche pick. I think. I think it's useful. I, I can see taking one in Wastrel um, for the. I mean, essentially, you're going to get it's a it's a fairly tanky model with an okay damage track for its cost, and it's going to give you some extra card draw. Um, it's going to potentially give you a cheeky obey when you need it if you've got the card in your hand. I think it's okay for its cost. My only real problem I have with it, I, I suppose. It's really slow. It's move four compared to a wastrel crew that's all around that table, right? The McCabe's on his horse. You've got like models like back alleying effectively, um, and it, oh, it's just—it's not going to keep up. Yeah, but you don't. That's a different element of the crew at this point, isn't it? So you've got the fast elements. I mean, don't forget he potentially is going to have fast because of McCabe's keyword ability with the upgrades. Um, he's potentially got the option to be to be carried on the back of McCabe's horse. And we've also, if we're while we're moving through Wastrel and movement options, we've got the Rough Riders, um, which are Frontier and Wastrel, um, who have got Ride With Me. So there's options to move him up the board. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like I said, uh, I think I think it'd be interesting to see where he falls out. So uh yeah. But Rough Riders do look cool. I quite like the look of Rough Riders in their neck. Yeah, I'm not sure why they move six. Uh, maybe they've just got like maybe they're riding like Shetland ponies or something. But um, 
Yeah, so we've got Defense 5. Willpower 4 is a bit rough for Seven Soul Stones, but it's got the favorable terrain and home on the range that are classic with the Frontier crew, looted supplies from the Wastrel crew, and then it's got Survivalists. So when it heals, it heals an additional one, um, which is good because it's got a trigger on its ride with me on a tome to heal a friendly model within three, one, two, three. So that's pretty good. It's got Kick Up Dust from the Frontier crew, and then it's got... Trampling Hooves, stat 5, 2, 3, 4 with Injured and Place Anywhere in Base Contact, which is pretty nice, and Repeating Rifle, which is stat 5 with a plus 2, 3, 4 with a potential crit strike. What do we think? I, I think it, I think you're right. I think it got a raw deal when it when it bought its horse. Why, why is it move 6 and not move 7? Um, I think it's also I'm starting to sense a bit of a theme with Explorers, maybe. Are, are they all just a little bit low on willpower, do we think? Uh, willpower 4 seems a bit harsh. Yeah, there seems to be a lot of fives and fours as opposed to sixes and fives. Um, will willpower, like poor willpower or lower willpower, is is a theme across a lot of the explorers' keywords, which again I think adds a bit of value to Vernon and Wells potentially. To be fair, um, it's actually fairly common, I think, with the human-like models because low willpower is also a lower willpower stat like that is common in Guild as well. Um, with like the humans, right? The 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 higher willpower stuff seems to be the Neverborn and things like that. Um, well, Tolkien Tolkien did teach us that uh, humans are easily corrupted, right? <laughs> <laughs> wow, mixing our genres, but yeah, yeah, you're probably right, I guess. <laughs> um, so I've actually played against these because the cards have been out for a while, um, and they are better on the table than they look on paper. And I think they look they look alright on paper, but. What really does it for them, I think, is the combo of Field Kit and Survivalist. Um, they're quite hard to pin down as scheme runners because they can ride with me out of engagement, throw in that tome for the heal. With Survivalist, they can heal themselves up, uh, you know, up to four. And then, you know, they've already gone um, potentially five inches and then they can go another another seven, six inches and drop a scheme marker or, you know, do something else. They're, they're really hard to pin down and they're really... They're more tanky than they look because they've obviously got access to um, oh, favorable terrain and kick up dust too. So they could, they've got options. Yeah, I, I I like the repeating rifle actually. Fourteen inch range, stat five with a pause. Um, I, I think actually they're they're quite a good little fire support with that. Do you? Um, I suppose it does depend on which keyword you're running them in, right? But I, I don't see using kick up dust as much. Um, but right, because Ride With Me is fantastic as an ability. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and actually, it's, it's a good point about the field kit and healing, because actually that's a Aura 3 heal, isn't it? So yeah, uh, they, they probably do hang in there more than I'm giving them credit for. I think you're right. Really. They do. So I, I, I really misjudged these on paper. Um, I thought I'd just be able to drop them, but they, with, with a bit of cover, they survive and, and can move around far more than you'd think they would. Yeah, I like them. I think move seven wouldn't go amiss, nor would willpower five. But other than that, I think they're they're solid for seven stones. I can see why you would take them. Um, cool. Anything else to say on the Rough Riders? Home on the range on them feels a little bit like yeah. This this model can deploy pretty far forward, but I'm not sure it wants to. But actually, it's interesting with that home on the range and then ride with me. The places that they could get models, some of your models. Is pretty extreme actually with that, I'd say. Yeah, it's still that classic trap with Frontier, though, isn't it? Of how far do you actually want to be forward, right? Um, Well, except maybe for the next model we're going to look at. So, this is the last model we're going to talk about today. 
um, which is the Sandworm. So the card's been around for this for a while. Um, it's eight stones, defense four, willpower four. It's got a defense trigger to bury itself. It's got favorable terrain, home, hard to wound, home on the range. So it's got those classic frontier abilities. It's got Jaws of the Beast, which means other friendly frontier models may ignore any negative to their attack actions when targeting enemy models engaged with this model, which is awesome because it is quite a ranged heavy crew, but also interesting to note that that isn't specific to friendly fire. So Serene Countenance, um, Concealment, anything else they're going to be ignoring as well, which is pretty cool. Um, back of the card, it's an eight stone beater, stat six, three, four, five damage. It's got some good triggers, got trigger to heal, can remove destructible terrain. And it has quicksand, which is awesome. It's got sandstorm, which is a two-inch range hazardous severe concealing and gives it the ability that dust cloud markers within four are not removed during the end of phase of this turn, which is awesome. Um, what, what are you guys thinking so far? Um, I'm thinking that uh, there would have been no harm in this being a three four six model. Um, but actually, yeah, I, I think a three four six. Defense four, willpower four for a creature that wants to be very much in the middle of it. Support to be in the middle of your enemy's crew with and dealing the damage. Uh, I yeah, I, I think I think it's it's what Frontier needed. They needed a melee model like this. They needed a model that's going to get in your face. Um, I, I think it's as I want. I really wanted it to be. It's going to be in the middle of your crew. It's going to hang in there. It's just going to be a pain. Uh, but actually, I think what it is is more of a hit and run with the burrow um, because it, it, it's got hard to wound. But I, I would have, if it was actually hard to kill, it would have hung in there more for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, my initial impressions currently is the sandstorm, I think, is really good because holding those concealing hazardous markers around for uh, Bass and his crew is really, really necessary, I'd say. I, I love this model. I think it's brilliant. I think it's definitely, like you touched on it, it's the model that Bass needed. Um, but I, I think I think you're right. It's a hit-and-run model. But for me, I see it more as a, it pops up in the backfield and kills that uh, manipulative model that was going to do some healing or card draw. So as someone who runs like Bayou Smugglers and Prospectors a lot, this thing gives me nightmares because it's just going to pop up with focus hit twice and then either start running schemes um, or, you know, potentially just if it gets attacked, it's going to disappear again or it's going to bury itself and it's going to pop up somewhere else and kill some other scheme runner. I think it, it picks and chooses its battles and it, it takes the ones, it takes the easy fights. I think it's super strong. Yeah, I agree. I really like it. Um, it's worth noting that it, so it's got the same sort of bury unbury that the Soulstone Miner has. Um, when it buries, it can drop a, a, dust cloud marker instead of a pit trap but um when it unburies it has to unbury in severe terrain but it doesn't have the restriction of burying a distance from your enemy's deployment zone so that's really really nice if there's a wood or something like that in your opponent's deployment zone you can just pop up there um it's got the same restriction that it can't is ignored for friendly steam schemes and strats and it can't take the interact when it unburies so that makes sense it's got a trigger to take another attack so if you've got a three of rams in your hand or more when you would go to unbury you can come up and take three swings which is awesome um i think for eight cellstone solid and actually i mean it's not super survival but as a reza player defense for uh, hard to wound with nine wounds. That's that's standard affair for me. I'm just going to be taking hopefully the less damage tracks most of the time, so it should survive a few hits. I think uh, as well. If you think about um, poor Crockett, is it poor Crockett? 
he's going to make this thing an absolute beast because um, obviously he can coordinate attack with it and then I think he can take another attack then um, as an ability by discarding a card. So I think I think uh, he's definitely, definitely up in the game of Bass. I think that's really cool, actually, because you don't really see Crockett in um, Bass as much as you probably should. Um, and if that if that enables, if this model enables another model into a crew, I think that's brilliant. I think it's really well done. Um, yeah, I yeah, like I said, I actually think I think it's I think it's what Bass needed. Um, is it is it what I wanted? No, but is, is it what it needed? Yes. Um, so yeah, I like it. I think it's going to have a place. I think you're definitely going to see it, and very very cool as well. Giant sandworm, man. You can't get much cooler than that. Yeah, it's very June. I like it. I like it. Cool. All right. So that's all the versatile models and the models that go with Wastrel and Frontier. Let's just go through the general faction upgrades and then that will probably be a wrap on this episode. So, um, same as every other faction, Explorers have got three standard upgrades. We've got Hidden Agenda. So, let's go through Hidden Agenda first. Um, It's got Backup plan, which is once per activation, after an enemy model cheats fate in an opposed duel with this model, it suffers one damage. And then double cross, so this model may cheat cheat fate with the card face down. The card is revealed before declaring triggers, but after the opposing player has chosen to cheat. Situational, but pretty cool. The minion-only ability is after this model's crew reveals a scheme, this model gains fast. What do we think of this, guys? I I don't know. I like it. I think it's. When are you using it? When it what? Where where do you see taking this? I, I, like, give me some food for thought here, because I'm just I'm trying to think about. You're paying two stones. You're putting this on something. What what are you using on? I'm I'm actually not sure. Um, I'm not sure where many of these are coming in. I don't I don't think you're putting it on expensive models. Um, and that the one damage feels a little bit irrelevant. Um. From backup plan, um, I'm, I don't know. Um, I would so I'd, I'd be tempted to take it on Ivan um, because Ivan summons in a really weird way where he wants to do it. Where he can summon off basically any crow card in his hand. So if you've got a low card, double cross could be really interesting. He's also not a super damage output master, so backup plan can help him a little bit. Um, there's not really many big minions that you'd feel comfortable investing two soul stones in um maybe a brock inspector you could put this on to give it occasional fast but again i'm not sure that that's going to be something you're looking to do um you could potentially put on cooper for the same reason again there's that's a big hit that people aren't going to want to um misjudge the card they're going to need to cheat but in reality you're gonna they're gonna know you're like cooper cooper isn't isn't doing three shots from that gun a turn so they're going to know that you're cheating your best card in to make sure that goes off put this out there are you putting this on a botanist because it gives it a little little clink of damage uh which deals with it i mean we just said botanists are pretty cool anyway but the the extra for the backup plan um you could gain fast when a crew reveals a scheme. Maybe putting it on a botanist. Maybe, maybe you may be actually putting it on the emissary, cheating fate, cheating cheat fate face down, so they don't know if you're going to be able to heal off the card that they're going to cheat in, and a little bit of plink damage when people attack it because you can take the hit. Yeah, um, and an it, yeah. And if you if you're taking it um, with armor and shield, that is then reducing that hit, and you're healing off it. Potentially, yeah. yeah. Um, 
it's 12 stones at that point, but I, I don't know. I'm still taking that model for 12 stones if with this on it. Um, yeah, yeah. P- potentially. So potentially with the emissary. Um, okay, so that, that upgrade's okay. It's got some some use. Uh, let's look at the next upgrade, which is Treasure Map. Uh, so the two main abilities, you've got Deadly Pursuit, always fairly useful in the right circumstances. That's probably a nice candidate for that botanist. Um, buried Treasure, uh, which is a bonus action, one-inch range, remove target marker. Uh, it's okay. And then if the model is a minion, it gains the following ability, Carry the Loot. Once per activation, after an enemy ski marker within six is removed, this model may draw a card. So it's it's got some use. It's situational, probably. What, what do you think? Matt, do you want to go first? Um, I, I like it, actually. It's, it's marker removal. Marker removal is not something that is common throughout the game. There's a handful of models that do marker, model, uh, marker removal. So... This model can pick up pyre markers, which I think is important um, because otherwise you can't normally without marker removal. And you're going to be able to draw a card. And there's, I like carry the loop because after an enemy scheme marker within six is removed, this model may draw a card. That works well with some of the versatile models I think we spoke about recently in the lot previous. And Dead Pursuit, you can't, yeah, I, I like this upgrade. I think, I think it's good. I think you see it. I think really good for a scheme runner. Uh, especially with definitely pursuit. Yeah, I think it's niche. It's it's going to go into certain pools, right? Where there's a lot of either it's going to go into certain masters that use markers, or it's going to go into certain pools, and you're going to use it for scheme marker removal. Um, I see. I think I think it'll be really strong when you take it, but there's probably not many times you do take it. I wonder if um, again, this is quite a nice one for botanists because they potentially remove markers for themselves and then eat that marker as a bonus. Again, a grow grow token. Yeah. Yeah, fair play. the fact that we've uh, just completely U-turned on botanist. I know, right? Well, oh, that's no, I'm not sure about it, but now it's like, yeah, this this is on a botanist, and this I think this upgrade back back to this, just this, move twice and remove a scheme marker because of buried treasure uh, whilst engaged or anything like that is brilliant. Yeah, the botanist is like again, we've we've got to remember what the botanist is is movement and survivability. Like the the actual what it's doing with its attacks is fairly negligible, but that does make it a good target for some of the more scheme-focused things you might want to do with your turn. All right, and then the last upgrade is Flush with Cash. Um, This one's really interesting, actually. So the first ability on it is called Bribery, uh, which is once per turn. After this model is targeted by an enemy model's attack action, it may discard a Soul Stone to have the action immediately fail with no jewel then the attacking model adds one soul stone to its crew's soul stone pool. It's a big cost um, to, for, and you can only do it once per turn and you're giving them a soul stone. But it's a bit of a get out of jail free card if, if you're getting a focused shamer shot in your face or something like that. Um, what else we got? Insurance after another friendly model within six is killed by an enemy model, add one soul stone to this crew's soul stone pool. So it's kind of a reversal of the Arcanist one, although it's, I guess, is as your models are dying, I guess it's probably more of a downside. Um, and then we've got the minion-only ability, which is excess funds once per game. During the start phase, this model may discard up to three cards and then draw up to its maximum hand size. Pretty cool. All right, so this is... There's two one. There's a once per turn and a once per game ability on here. So, it's, what, what are we thinking with this? 
I think I'm taking this in every every crew. Uh, I love this. This this is fantastic. Like uh, the trading one soul stone for, uh, you, I'm going to give you a soul stone, but what that means is I'm not going to die. Um, it, and the amount of times that, and just this week where I've had a mod, had a master on a point where it's just like, ah, oh, there is this is a foregone conclusion. Even if I stone, I'm probably going to die. Do you know what? Have my stone. I'm not having this attack. Brilliant. Love bribery. Insurance. Um, it feels a little bit hard to swallow because you're losing models around you. I think that's probably the weakest point of this card. Um, and excess funds, I think, is really good because it's effectively just a once per game, a, a free card, a stone for a card effect, but you get an extra one. It's I, I think that's really good. I would take this. Yeah, I think it's quite strong, actually. I sort of wasn't initially impressed, but uh, the more I've thought about it, I think there's a few more ways that i could use it potentially um i think this is different to treasure map i think where treasure map is about denial schema because this you probably go into a more killy pool um and it just it can add a bit more survivability to a few models and you're probably going to get some extra soul stones from things dying anyway so i think if there's a map where you know it's leave your mark and claim jumper in the pool and there's going to be a big fight in the center i don't know why you wouldn't take this probably needs a bit of playing with but yeah I think, I think it's got play. Um, okay. I, I'm i surprised by that, actually. So I look at this bribery. So I, I hear what you're saying about bribery, and that's all well and good if all you're going to de- need to defend yourself against is one attack, because this is once per turn, and it's once per turn a two soul stone swing. You're t- getting rid of a soul stone to give them a soul stone, and it's... That is that is quite a big cost, and do you know what? Once in a while, it might be that one attack that lets you see the next turn, uh, or see your activation that that you wouldn't have got before. But generally speaking, I don't know how much giving them a soul stone um, to make one single attack fail once per turn is is going to be something you're going to want in every game, or even in killy games. That the, the, for me, I, it, it's a clutch save. Like, um, if you know if you know you're you're using a susceptible like master or a model that uh, it is great for the rest of the game, but say I don't know, assassinate is in the pool. I, I think this is it, and it's it's very similar to um, what Badge of Office was. I think Badge of Office in M two E with the guild upgrade, where you could just use it once and plink it off, and then the upgrade was gone. So this actually has more more versatility in that it just stopped the attack so but yes so you're trading out soul stones to do it but um i i think you do it and actually we saw it in m2e and i think you'll still see this i genuinely believe that it's worth taking i think upgrades are very different in m2e so but i think if we compare this like to, to m3 you're looking at you're spending two soul stones on this and then if you use it you're spending another soul stone plus giving your opponent one. Yes, you're generating soul stones potentially when your models are dying, but again, that's not a super positive situation. Like I can see its play, and actually, if you look at something like Cadmus, where they've got loads of small models, I think insurance is amazing, and you take this upgrade. I'm not actually sure where else you see this. Yeah, I think it might it might require a bit of um, matchup knowledge as well. I think there's like really obvious ones, like I think you take it against Cooper, you take it against Seamus, and try and you know. Just make them think twice about taking those big, big shots. But I wonder if, like, you know, uh, Lady Justice with loads of focus stacked on her or something like that, whether you uh, – and I, I can't think of anything on the spot, but I, I think there are probably ways – I mean, it's Leviticus. I mean, if you can block one of his irreducible attacks, that's quite strong. 
um, even even for the two source on swing, because you can't stop it in any other way. So it might be a little bit more niche, um, but I think that there's definitely play for it. I think I think it's going to be one of those things when the more you use it, the worse you'll think it is. Um, and I think that's I think when you actually look at the trade off you're doing, I think the, the the more you use it, the less useful you'll think bribery is. And actually, you'll look at different ways to spend those two. Because actually, even just saying, "Cool, I've got two extra soul stones to put them on an egg or prevent damage, uh, or to, or to trigger my defense trigger or whatever it is else you could do with those two soul stones, rather than spend two on the upgrade, then give another one to your opponent to stop one attack a turn." I think we all know most most people, especially in Masters where you need to kill, have an ability to heal and stuff like that. So if you're coming in on a Master, you're coming in with enough force that you're confident you're going to be able to take them down, which is more than one attack. Um, but what, what, how are you feeling about it, Matt? I, I, I think this, this upgrade gives Explorers something that no other faction has. It, it gives them the answer to, like, like Rich said, those, those attacks you just can't do anything about. So yeah, even if I'm if taking two irreducible damage, it will will get you. It will kill you. It'd be not, there's nothing you could do about it. Um, whereas actually, this this gives you the option to do about it. The only the only negative I have about this card is I don't see a world where I'm using I want bribery and excess funds on the same model. Um, so excess funds being the minion ability makes this personally a little hard to use because bribery for me, you, you want it on the key model, the model you definitely want to keep survive, keep alive. Then normally, normally your enforcers, your henchmen, your master. So I think most of the time you don't see excess funds. Yeah, I agree. I don't see a reason. I don't see a world where you're putting this on a minion very often or, or ever probably. I wonder if you've got, it's quite niche, but if you've got like a rough rider or something running, I'm, try, I'm just trying to think of like ways you do it, uh, running something like symbols. Um, and obviously, like for me, it's a way to give minions an ability to like stop down it, damage with soul stones. So it, it does feel quite good in that way. Um, potentially, maybe maybe it's not a nine. You know, that's not a nine stone model. But if you are trying to run deep and get symbols, and you you need to stop that attack to keep that um, symbol runner alive, it's potentially got play. Yeah, maybe I I can see myself taking this on Nexus. I'm not sure I'm taking it anywhere else. Um, I'm, I mean, overall, I mean, so I'm, I'm super, like, I'm loving Explorers, and I'm super excited, especially about all the things we've gone through today. But I think these upgrades, as a, as a hot take, are probably the worst upgrades in the game of all the factions. Um, that's not to say they're terrible. It's to say compared to the factions we have out there and the upgrades we've got, these probably aren't as as versatile or, versatile or, or widely useful as the upgrades we have in other factions. What do you guys think? I am. Um, I disagree. I don't think. I don't think they're the worst upgrades out there. I would. I would kill to have treasure map in guild, um, like every day of the week. Um, uh, I, I agree on hidden gender. I'm not entirely sure I see where that goes. I do think there is a space for um, flash, flush with cash. Uh, I don't. I don't think they're the worst upgrades. I genuinely don't. Um, I, I think. I think you're going to see more out of more out of these on minions, maybe, than you do on certain ones. Uh, like we see a lot. If, if I think about guild, we see a lot of leadline coat. Right. Um, you still don't often see much of the others. And there's a reason for that. I don't think they're the worst in the game. 
Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think they're the worst in the game. I think, I mean, Treasure Map, I can see having play here and there um, quite a bit. Um, being an Outcast player, I'm obviously down on my my upgrades as well. I think it's different. I think they're, they're very, very different problems. Outcasts, I think the upgrades work on a very niche few models, um, and then they're irrelevant for the rest of the faction. And even then, I don't know if you always take them. These feel like they're more relevant for niche scenarios. Um, so like treasure map needs you to have like a specific um, strat scheme pool um, to be relevant. So I think that they're just, then they're maybe not the best. They're obviously like not, um, what was it? The regen two uh, upgrade or the, any of the arcanist upgrades. Um, they're not that level of strong, but I can see, I can see play. Yeah. Maybe I think I think they're just too situational overall, and like and and I I could I I I would still stick by what I said. I do think maybe maybe I've been spoiled by playing against Arcanists and Thunders and playing with Rezzers and Bayou, who are just all all between those four factions have outstanding upgrades. And then I look at these and I go, where what what is how are these comparable to those? But I think actually, yeah, do you know what? With a little bit of foray into Guild, I mean, you've got Leadline Coat, which is probably one of the better upgrades in the game which is probably better than these but actually the other two you don't see as much outcasts i agree they're probably more situational um but yeah i still think these are among if if not the worst they're a worst is a bad word because they're, they're situationally good but i think that in terms of the general use that i think all all upgrades either need to sit in this place or the other place right so you've got the the let's say bayou arcanist thunders and um resers of the world who have upgrades that you can take in any game and and in any situation um or they need to sit in the world where these upgrades and maybe outcasts sit where they're more situational and not as useful across the board yeah i I genuinely i prefer the explorers upgrades to the guild upgrades because actually i'm taking explorers upgrades into games not taking explorers upgrades to buff models whereas actually with the guild upgrades we're, we're taking you, you take armor because you're trying to make a model more durable because actually feeling like a little bit light in places um there's not a problem with the guild upgrades if if there wasn't the other four factions you've just talked about right you, you can bitch about guild propaganda as much as you like but actually you take lead line coat because certain models are squishy and others and like you hold in there and you take it on like fiona and it's ridiculous but actually they struggle with it but i prefer explorers upgrades because you take them into strats and schemes whereas you're not trying to buff a model with it which i prefer like i would take flush with cash to um flush with cash to keep a model a master alive during assassinate missions i would take treasure map in scheme running games in fact i, I think treasure map you probably first time in the game you probably see two treasure maps out I don't think I've ever seen two two upgrades taken, but I can see a world where you take two treasure maps. Uh, I'm in the same place. I think there's, there's two sort of very similar points that I want to make. I think from from like a holistic perspective, I probably want all upgrades to be equal. So I, I'd like to see weird one day balance them so that they're all level. I, I totally agree that these aren't the level of Bayou Thunders, Arcanists, um, probably Rezzers as well. Uh, and then forgot my other point <laughs> carry on okay fair enough well um that's i think you're both on drugs but whatever um <laughs> we'll see where this sits in like six months and this is well let's remember this is our initial hot takes and 
yeah, as, I think it's fair to say, like, Matt Matt might be looking at it through Grasses Greener on the other side sort of view, where he's been using a bit of Guild, maybe. And where I've been using Bayou and Rezzers, I'm looking at it like, a, what is this trash? Um, and I think that's the thing. We've got perspective, different perspectives on it. Um, but this is our initial this is our initial thoughts on it. Um, and as I said, like we, we'll see where, where we sit in six months and actually where we've ironed out the use of these things. Um, they're not terrible. They are situational to my mind. Um, but yeah, I think that's where I sit on it. But we all agree that Arcanist Funders, Bios and Reds' cards need to be adjusted. All the other ones need to be adjusted. One of them. Yeah. But um, <laughs> yeah, look at, it, look at it from an Arcanist point of view. These don't even touch Arcanist upgrades. Like straight away, no, nowhere near them. Yeah, and I think that's my problem. I'm looking at it from where I've been playing Bayou and Rezzers and playing against Thunders and Arcanists. I'm just looking at this going, this this is trash compared to those. But yeah, there's 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 probably a world where actually if we look at the other factions, they're they're probably more in line. But um then then that's a that's a conversation for a whole nother day. So I think we will wrap this up there. We've gone through all the versatiles, we've gone through the wastrel, we've gone through the frontier, and we've gone through the generic upgrades. So we will be back um tomorrow with another explorers episode so we're going to push these out quick fire going through the new keywords as well um thank you very much rich for joining us on the show today thanks for having me no problem we will get you back on another one i'm sure that is it from us say goodbye everyone goodbye oh matt didn't say goodbye everyone he's losing his comic genius cliche like you already called me out on it once in an episode i can't like do it again (laughs) well i do it once per episode and you're still doing it per episode james it's the rules (laughs) (laughs) uh paul butler's going to be pleased he did say he missed our bickering all right cool well that's it from us everyone we will see you on the next show goodbye